Lord bless each and every one of you in God's house tonight. You can be seated. It's good to see everyone that is here and uh, pray for everyone that is not here. And uh, I know sometimes the ox gets in the ditch, but if you have a problem with the ox getting in the ditch quite often, sometimes you got to build a fire under the ox and uh, get the ox in gear. Sometimes it's not the ditch's problem. Sometimes it's the ox that's the problem. But uh, I know that that the chaos that has been going on in the world for the last few months has uh, been very devastating. But let's not let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's not get in a habit of missing church or dragging in late for church. We can't go to the prayer rooms right now, but the prayer room is a sanctuary. It still starts at 7 o'clock. Everybody look at your clock right now. Anybody tell me what time it is right now? I just want to make sure we, we haven't forgotten how to tell time. Start getting ready for church a little bit earlier. And uh, let's get here early for prayer. And when we get here, please, I beg of you. It's very disturbing trying to pray with people talking and fellowshipping. Don't do that. Let's enter into the house of God to pray and seek the face of the Lord. Keep our mind on God because this is what produces a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You just can't come in to church time after time with all kinds of filth and the, the things of the day on your mind and on you and not get cleaned up and still have a move of God. Amen. We need to, we need to take a Holy Ghost shower before church. Amen. This is Wednesday night Bible study. We're back to the real world. Now we're going to have a Bible study tonight. And I feel like the Lord has led me in this direction all week. And uh, I will be dealing with some different subjects for the next couple of three weeks. So uh, hold on to your seats. You're not probably not going to be up jumping or shouting or running the aisles. But I want to talk about some things that keeps us um, on the straight and narrow and produces what God has blessed us with. How many enjoys the blessings of God? Amen. How many wants to keep those blessings coming? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, I want to remind you of, uh, there will be some activities, a singing, uh, fellowship and activities at Brother Hare's the 19th. And, uh, we will be carrying the bus over there. So anyone that would want to ride that, the young people that would like to go, uh, anybody else that would like to go for the singing, you probably won't want to stay uh, for the uh, late night activities, but I think it starts at 7 o'clock on the 19th, so remember that. I will be out of town this weekend, uh, talk about being faithful to church, but I will be in church, and uh, I will be out of town preaching this weekend, so be faithful to the house of God. You have to do more when I'm not here. And uh, so I expect more. Brother Austin Clark will be here preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night. And uh, so bring someone to the house of God with you, a wonderful evangelist. Bring, bring a guest with you. I think it would be safe to go out and invite people to church now and uh, bring somebody, somebody to the house of God with you. And let's see God do great things this weekend. So remember... Those announcements, let's be praying for those who are sick and unable to be in the house of the Lord, that God would heal their bodies and uh, perform miracles for them. Brother Cooper's already mentioned, let's pray especially for Sister Tot, was visiting with them yesterday. She needs a miracle from God. And uh, let's pray especially for Sister McKinley. And uh, we are so thankful and grateful for what God has done for her to this point and we just believe in God to continue to work and work a miracle for her. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can remain seated tonight and uh, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 
number six, and a very familiar passage of Scripture. You will look at at 2 Corinthians chapter number seven and verse number one. How many knows what chapter number seven and verse number one of 2 Corinthians says? Now, as much as I've taught on that, you ought to know that by heart or know what it's saying. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Does anybody know the rest of that? From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and you sure ought to know this last line, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Uh, There ought to be a reason why you remember that is because I have taught on that for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Uh, I normally do that in the month of September when everybody's coming back from their vacations and all of that. But that's not what I want to talk to you about tonight. But I do want to talk to you about some of the same issues. And for the next couple of three weeks, we're going to be discussing this about separation. What is separation? Why do we separate ourselves and the necessity and the importance of separation from the world. Chapter number 6, verse number 14. Now all of you that think that you want to get married and you want to date, all of you at dating age, you boys here on the front row, y'all look at me. Y'all are all dating age? Y'all ready to get married? Y'all not wanting to get married? Everybody seeks their head no except Quad. I think he might be interested. <laughs> so this is what the Bible says. Look, Listen at me, young men. Listen at me, young ladies. When you're looking for a mate, this is very, very important. Pay close attention. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's a scripture right there that is necessary in your salvation and in your future. Don't be unequally yoked. So don't even look at those girls in the world. I know none of you would. Don't even look at those guys in the world. I know none of you would. But don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You say, oh, it's just a casual date. Casual dates lead to love. The first time my wife and myself went on a date, it was a casual date. Now, I know she had a lot more interest than what I did at the time, and she wanted to develop into a lot more. But that's the reason why we're here today. Uh, I was a man. I was a man. I was a man that she was looking for. I didn't even ask her out. I had a friend to ask her out for me. So, <clears throat> so don't be unequally yoked. Don't look in that direction. Don't get involved. Because when you get involved, emotions get involved. And when emotions get involved and people think that you're in love, you can't talk to people that think they're in love. I've tried I've tried hours of premarital counseling, telling them what they need to be uh, cautioned about and what they need to look for. They don't listen. But they figure it out. <laughs> How many is in here that didn't listen? Don't even raise your hand. You know you didn't listen. But you had it all figured out. But you have learned a lot. In the last few years, can I get a witness? I've learned a lot. I thought I had a lot of things figured out. And uh, I realize that there's a lot of things I did not know in life. And I still learn uh, day by day. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What do you have in common with someone who does not know the truth? It's like, where are you going to go on a date? You can't take her to the movies. Can you? 
You can't go to the local dance hall or nightclub. There's not a lot that you have in common other than male and female. There's not a lot of places that you can go. They don't understand that because uh, you're not like them. Okay? You're not like them. And uh, I would give some personal references here, but I better skip that. But what communion hath light with darkness? When you come into a dark room and you turn on the light, darkness disappears. When you turn off the light, light disappears. And so what fellowship hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now that's just simply to make it plain, or, or let's make it, let's make it a little more presentable. That's with what fellowship hath a believer with an unbeliever. That's the reason why, listen to me here, everybody needs to listen to this. Your closest friends should be apostolics. That's very weak, but I shall say it again. Your closest friends should be apostolics. And when people have friendship, now there's okay to be friendly and have friends outside of the church. That's no problem. But when you call, when you are having close friendship, someone that you spend hours upon hours with, you better make sure they have the same interest at heart as you do. That's the reason why it's very important that we have fellowship one with another. It bothers me when we have church fellowship and you don't show up. I believe it not only bothers me because I am the pastor, but it also bothers God. I don't feel like that God understands that of where your connections are. And I want to tell you as adults, you want your, your kids connected to the church. Now, is everything that we do around here and we do at the gym and all the parties and fellowship that we have, is it spiritual? No, not right out, but in a roundabout way it is. You can rest assured people are going to find fellowship somewhere People are going to have communion with one another somewhere. Young people are going to get connected with somebody somewhere because that is human nature. You want to get connected in the church. With the church. If you're all up in the church, you're not going to fall out of the church. People that are successful. How many wants to be successful in living for God? People that are successful in living for God are those who are involved in the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the church of God right here on earth. And when you're involved in that and you take part of that and it becomes my church and not just a place that I go and attend church, you're a lot less likely to criticize it. Amen. When you feel pain of someone leaving because it is your church, you're a lot more into helping that person make it in serving God. I need you. You need me. We all need each other. Because that's just the way that God made us. Okay, now I haven't even got to my subject yet, but that's all good and necessary and needful. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Check who your friends are. What your friend is today is what you will be in the future. What your friends are today. So you want to find someone that you want to be like. And you want to find someone that is successful. You want to hang around successful people. Not only financially successful, 
work-related successful, but successful in living for God for and far most. Amen. That's the people that you want to hang around. Young people, that's the people that you want to get connected to. Not the gossipers, not the complainers, not the ones on the fringe, but you want to get connected to those who love the work of God and the kingdom of God. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are, now, listen very closely, for ye are, everybody say, I am. The temple of the living God, as God had said, I will dwell in them. You know how God dwells in you? By the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It was in the holiest of holies. Now, they take very, pay very close attention to this because this is a lot what I'm going to be talking about for the next few weeks. That Anybody know that there was, what was there in the temple from uh, the court to the holy place? Anybody know what was rent from top to bottom when Christ was crucified? A veil. What was that veil there for? Separation. Separation is what that veil was there for. And so... To house the presence and the glory of God, there first had to be a separation from the rest of the world to the glory of God. And so you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, for us to be God's people, and God to dwell in us, and God to walk in us, and God to be in us, we have to be separate from the world. The Bible says in verse number 17, it says, Wherefore... Come out from among them and be ye, what? Separate. Sayeth the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And this is God's promise. Now, how many, how many really love the promises of God? You enjoy the blessings of God? Man, I love the blessings of God. I love that God has blessed me beyond my greatest imagination. God has been so incredibly good to me, it's impossible for me to tell you how good God has really been to me. And so I love the blessings of God. How many loves uh, the presence of the Lord? Do you love just to come into the house of God and you just feel the presence of the Lord? That's good. That's wonderful. How many loves to pray and feel the glory of God? How many loves it when we come in here on Sunday night and the the power and the glory of God just comes down and people just worship and praise God and glorify God and magnify God? Now, now there is people that come in that are that are guests and we we enjoy them coming and they like the service. They love the presence of God. They love the glory of God. And they love the power of God. Now listen at me, young people. Listen, not listen at me, but listen to me, I guess. But, but, but hear me because this is very important in your relationship with God. This is very important to all of you. And they wonder, I've had so many people that would ask me, how in the world do you get those young people to love and to worship God like that? Now, they're not carried away with all of us middle age and middle age and, and, uh, and elderly folk. All you elderly folks. That, that doesn't amaze them, but what amazes them is the young people and their enthusiasm about the church. Because this is what they say. The vast majority of the churches 
are drying up and dying and withering away because they have no young people that are involved in the work in the kingdom of God. And then they say, how many has ever, ever heard somebody say, Oh, I love that church. I love what I feel. I love what I see. But I just can't live like that. Has anybody ever heard anybody say that? What they don't realize is, that's what's brought the glory of God. The separation from the world to God and dedication to God is what has produced what we love and what we enjoy. The things that I enjoy and the things that I love is produced by my separation from the world and my dedication to God. Now, it's understandable for someone in the world to not be able to figure that out. But what is confusing to me is when us, we as Pentecostals, we as apostolics, seem to forget that separation from the world and dedication to God is what produced what we have. You know what built this building? You know what purchased this property? It was not compromise. But it was people of God that took a stand and dedicated themselves to God and separated themselves to the world, from the world. That's the reason why we have what we have today. It did not just appear. It did not just happen. So why? Why? And this is my question to you today. And this is what I want to try to get across to us today. Why in the world would we want to compromise our separation from the world and compromise our dedication to God when it's produced results When it's produced what we have and what we love and what we hold dear to and what we enjoy. Now I'm not in, I'm not interested in the church getting more worldly. Amen. But I am interested in the church staying focused on our separation from God. Now let's look Let's look in the very beginning of creation. I want you to look at some things in, in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. That's very easy to find. If you don't know where that's at, that'll be in the very beginning of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Now, in the very beginning of time. Now, now people, people have a problem with creation uh, there's no way to even even discuss biblical principles with them, but but when I when I look at and people say, oh how 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 if God created this a few thousand years ago, how do they how does this mountain and this dirt and all of these rocks and millions and billions of years old ever how I want to know how they figured that out in the first place? But God created the world full grown. Just like he created Adam. Adam wasn't a little baby when he created Adam. Mountains wasn't little bitty mountains when he created them. They were full grown. They were thousands and millions of years old when they were created. So, <clears throat> that's not what I want to talk about. But, but this is what the Word of God says. This is very, I found this very interesting just this week and, and thinking about this, this come to my mind and I begin to read it. And I seen that, that what I was thinking was true. Now, before God created things, He had to separate things. And He says in verse number four, and God saw the light and it was good. And it, and God divided light from darkness. 
There was a separation between light and darkness. Then it goes on about the water. And he separated the firmament in the midst of the water, the heavens, and the, and the earth. And he separated the water and let it divide water from water. And then in verse number 9 it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto the place, and let the dry land appear. It was so. And then in verse number 14, And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. So before God could bring a world together and create a world of animals, of humans, of trees, of grass, of mountains, of streams, of all of the beautiful things that He created... First of all, he had to start separating things. So before God created his church, he had to start separating things. And his church from the very beginning of time has been different than anything else in this world. The Bible says in Acts, he said, preach the gospel, not not quoting, but that he had purchased the church of God, that he had purchased with his own blood. Amen. The church was called out of the world to be separated from the world and to be set apart and dedicated to God. This is a reason why the church should never look like the world. The church should never act like the world. The church should never talk like the world. The church should never be part of the world because we are in the world, but we are not of this world. We are purchased and bought with a price. And it disturbs me when separation is no longer important. We are to look different. When he called his, 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 his people, first of all, he had to call Abram away too. He had to take him away from a heathen nation to take him to the place that he wanted to give to him. What this was doing. This was not just giving him land. This was not just about giving him property. This was not just about everywhere you step, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. No, but this was building a nation to the glorifying of God of heaven. He was calling a people out and bringing a people to dedication. And the Jews were different than any other nation. They look different. They talk different. They act different. They ate different. And they were blessed different than any other nation. They could conquer nations that was greater than them. I want to tell you, God's church has never been just about numbers. We will never be able to sacrifice separation for bigger crowds. Amen. God has not called us to do that. Oh, if we just let up here, we'll get that person. No, we want. Amen. There's too many places for them to go. But what is drawing them here is the glory of God. And if we give up separation from the world, we give up what draws people to the house of God. Amen. So, so then you, you go forward a few hundred years, and you find the children of Israel had made their way to Egypt. Now, now I cannot understand all of God's concepts in the Word of God. 
I'd like to say I was a great scholar and I had it all figured out. There's some things I cannot figure out. And there's some things I don't have all the answers to. But I do know this, that they were held in captivity for, what was it, over 400 years. They were held in captivity in Egypt. They had grown to a great nation, so great that the Egyptians had feared them. And they started killing their children. They feared them and they started killing their children. Why? Because they were in the land of Egypt. And Egypt had killed their children. Church, if we go the way of the world, and we start moving toward Egypt, Egypt will swallow up the next generation. Egypt will swallow up these young men. Egypt will take away these young men sitting here on the front row. Egypt will take away these young ladies that's held by their mothers tonight. That's what Egypt will do. That's the reason why we don't want to go toward Egypt. And we don't want to get involved with what Egypt... Egypt, look in your word, in the Word of God. Egypt has always been classified as a type and a shadow of sin. So, when God got ready to bless His people, first of all, He had to separate them from Egypt and take them to where He wanted them to go. They could not have the blessings of God until they were able to separate themselves from Egypt. Now, if you pay very close attention, God delivered them from Egypt. But He never got Egypt out of their hearts. And so, without Egypt getting out of their hearts, there was only two men. Joshua and Caleb. And you read in your Bible where it said, because they had another spirit within them. They did not have the spirit of Egypt on them, in them, or about them. But the rest of the congregation followed and wandered around and around in the wilderness. Now, if you've ever been over there, we had the privilege to do that last summer. It's not very big. It don't take 40 years to get from Egypt to Israel. Not even walking. It's a very short journey. But they wandered around 40 years. You know why? God had to get Egypt out of Israel before Israel could go to the promised land and inherit the promises. I want to tell you tonight, church, don't be carried away with the modern ideas and opinions of this world. Of churches that want to get more worldly. That we have to become more like the world to win the world. There's nothing to win them to if we act just like them. We had to have movie night to act, to win the world. No, 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 no. The way that we win the world is don't have movie night. Don't have movie night at church. Don't have movie night at home. Don't have movie night on your cell phone. Don't have movie night on your iPad. Don't have movie night in your living room. You say, what does that hurt? Let me ask you a question. What good has Hollywood ever produced? What good has Hollywood produced? You can be seated. What good has Hollywood produced? Anybody know anything good that Hollywood produces? No. They're pro-homosexual. They're pro-abortion. They're all pro-liberal. You can't hardly find anything without cursing, without drug use, without alcohol use. And my word, preachers preached against this when it was leave it to beaver. 
And then when it was the Andy Griffin show. And when it was the little rascals. They still, you know, it wasn't so much that that was so wrong. But they had an insight of where it was leading and where it was taking us. I want to tell you, the day that we allow Hollywood into the church, we have lost our separation from the world and our dedication to God. Because everything that they produce is anti-God, anti-church, anti-holiness, anti-dedication to the Lord. That's not what we are. That's not what we want. That's not what we're looking for. I love what we have. Let's keep what we have. Let's separate ourselves from this world. Amen. Cell phones, internet has blurred the lines on this. I know. It's made it handy. It's made it at our fingertips. And I know it's difficult, especially on young people. But I want to tell you, it's just as wrong looking at it on something this size as it is a 64-inch screen. The content has not changed. We sure we want to be separated? But look, doing this we get the glory. Doing this we get the presence of God. We can't have Egypt in our garments. We can't have Egypt in our spirits. We can't have Egypt in our hearts. We will never get to inherit the promised land and all the blessings and the glory of God that God has for us. Before there can be life, there must be a divide. Before God was able to create life or before God, I wouldn't say God was able to create life, before God chose to create life, He divided So what would have happened if He would have created life and thrown them into outer darkness? Water, 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 everything was water. From what I understand and what I read the Bible, He separated the water from the firmament. That's the water from the heavens, so everything was water. If He just created man and throwed him out there, man could not survive. But first of all, He separated things and got things separated like He wanted it. And then He started creating things. He created life. He created the trees. He created the grass. He created the animals. He created things where man could survive. So this is what the church has created. The church has created an atmosphere where the glory and the presence of God can thrive, where the glory and the presence of God can live, where the glory and the presence of God can be demonstrated. And that brings in to where people come in. People can have life because of what has been created in the house of God. Why? Because there has been separation. That's the reason why the charismatics can have the greatest singing in the world, but they can't have the glory. Oh, they can have a... a, a an, uh, uh, they can produce Produce an atmosphere that gives you chill bumps. But chill bumps is not the glory and the power of God. Amen. They can give you a concert and they can entertain you, but they do not have the glory and the presence of God. Amen. They have a form of godliness, but they have denied the power thereof. How have they denied the power? Because they deny separation from the world and dedication to God. Amen. Amen. And then... You say, oh, if we just give up here and we just, we just loosen up here, we'll have a great revival. No, no, no. You can't have birth without having separation first. You can have a swelling, but you can't have revival. You can get a crowd, but you can't have revival. Amen. We have what we have because there has been a separation. 
So why, why do we want to get closer to the world? Why do we want to act more like the world? Why do we want to imitate what we see the denominal world doing? A lot of things are not in black and white. A lot of things are not just written in this Bible where I could read them to you and it says that's just what it says. But it does say a woman should not cut their hair because her hair is given to her for her glory. It does say that a man should not have long hair. It does say that a woman shall not put on a man's garment, neither a man put on a woman's garment. So what are you talking about here? There has to be a separation. God wants separation and distinction between male and female. God don't want a male that prisses around and acts like a girl, talks like a girl, wiggles like a girl, and giggles like a girl, and dresses like a girl. Neither does God want a girl that walks, talks, and acts like a man. That's an abomination in the sight of God. That's the reason why from a distance God wants there to be a distinction. Because God is all about separation. You say, oh, these pants are, are women's pants. These pants are men's pants. Are this skirt, believe it or not, this skirt is a man's skirt. Who would have ever thought you'd see the day in a man wearing a skirt? I got a magazine the other day. Had a man there with a suit coat on and a skirt. We look at that as crazy. Give it another ten years. (laughs) Yeah. Give it another few years and we'll have people wanting to argue with the preacher about if a man can wear a skirt or not. You say, oh, no, 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 no. They argue if a woman can wear pants or not. They would have thought 50 years ago that that would have never happened. But we are at that point to where they can come into the house of God, out of the house of God, with their tank tops on, with their pants on, with their shorts on, because they have made the house of God nothing more than a common place of gathering. I want to tell you, that's the reason why I preach that we are to wear our very best to the house of God. Because it's not common! You say, oh, Brother Looper, that don't matter. That don't matter. That's not a big deal. That's not a great deal. You know why we want to argue? Why we want to fuss? Why you want to talk about that? Because it's the little fox that spoils the vine. It's the little things that get in. Amen. There ought to be something about you that when you walk into this house during the day and you got on a hat and dirty boots, you take your hat and your dirty boots off. Why? Because this is not just a common place. This is the house of God that we have come together to worship, to glorify and to magnify Him. Amen. 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 There's been times at at, at, at funerals that we've had a problem with people coming in and bringing drinks into the house of God. I told Brother Steve, that's your job. Stop them. Don't let them do that. That's a funerals director's job. But, but I, I, you know the reason why? It's not that they, they have something against us, but every church in the world has said, okay, it's okay. Bring your coffee cup in. For all of you that's been nervous that I'm putting a coffee store in the lobby, Let me clear that up for you. It's not happening as long as I'm here, okay? Y'all can rest on that. That's not going to happen. Amen. This is not a common place. This is the house of God. That's the reason why we've got the glory. It's because we have separated ourselves. 
Amen, amen, amen. And you say, oh, well, I'm thirsty. I'd like to bring in a bottle of water. Amen. If you're singing or if you're preaching and you've got to have a drink, that's okay. But we're not all going to be sitting in here sipping a bottle of water while we're worshiping and praising God. We've got a water fountain. Go out and get you something that way. Why? Because next time, what's the difference in water and coffee? What's the difference in water and Coca-Cola? What's the difference in water and iced tea? We are getting too familiar with the glory and the presence of God. And if we get too familiar, church, we lose it all. I said if we get too familiar, you hear me, young people. You hear me today. If you get too familiar, you lose everything. And we wonder, how did we get here? How did we get here? How did we wind up here? It's because little by little our separation from the world dwindled, dwindled, dwindled away. You can be seated. Some of you may not like this tonight. But you know right now I really don't care if you like it or not. Because I know what it's done for us. You say, oh, Brother Looper, why do you have to harp on that? Why do you have to talk on that? All I have to, I don't have to okay anything. All I've got to do is don't say anything about it. Amen. And I want to tell you, the Bible has called us to cry loud and spare not. If we want to save the apostolic way, we have got to cry out against sin and perversion of our time. I love you and we can love each other and you might disagree with me. But if I, if I go your way, where will we be in ten years? You don't have to look far from here to see what happens. And it's devastating. It's devastating that people can ever get to that point. What happened? What happened? What happened? Separation is a big part of who we are and what we are. Our identity of what we are identifying with. What are you trying to look like? When you put that on, young lady, who are you trying to look like? When you dress like that, oh, what's wrong with facial hair? Who are you trying to look like? I don't shave from Sunday to Saturday night. Who are you trying to look like? Oh, the Bible don't say anything about facial hair, but it's an identity And we in this world are having an identity crisis. That's the reason why people don't know if they're male or female. They are having an identity crisis. And it's sad to say the apostolic church is having an identity crisis. We say one thing and look like something else. We say we're such and such and we look like somebody else. You can't tell us from any other denomination. Believe it or not, a few years ago, the Methodists used to separate themselves. The Assembly of God, they're the last ones between us and everything else. They used to separate themselves. It was just a church thing. Because they realized if you're going to have the glory of God, God is calling us out of a world... The Bible said something about you being a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. Amen. Amen. I better quit. I've been going a long while. Let's all stand tonight. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us. God, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. This, I, I tell you, hold, hold up just a second. This is what I want you to do right now. I know, uh, I know of some of the preachers that was here. I know Brother Morgan, um, Brother, uh, Brother Dunn, Brother Duplissy. Preachers in your life. Some of you may not have been here then. A majority of you wasn't here then. But preachers in your life that has preached this gospel to you and separation from the world, when you lift your hands, I want you to call their name and give God praise for those men of God that has been placed in your life that's told you the truth, that's got you to the place that you are right now. Why don't you lift up your voice? God, I thank You today. I thank You, Lord, for all the men of God that's preached this glorious Gospel to me. Oh, hallelujah! I praise You for it today. Thank You for it, God. I thank You, Lord Jesus, for Brother Dunn. I thank You, Lord, for Brother Morgan. I thank You, Lord, for Brother Duplessis. I thank You, Lord, for the preachers that were before them. God, that preached this in Sealsby, Texas. God, separation from the world and dedication to You. I give You praise for that. I thank You for the men of God that's preached it in my life. Oh, Lord, we praise You. We don't ever want to go from it. God, we want to take it. We want to grow on it. God, we want to draw close to You and fall away from this world. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Lord bless you. If I angered any of you or upset any of you, come back Sunday morning. Brother, brother, uh, brother Clark will make you happy. And uh, you can be happy in two ways. I won't be here and he'll be preaching. So, Lord bless you. If, uh, if I made you happy, uh, just come to church and shout and praise and magnify God. If I made you think, that's a good thing. Lord bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.